everybody, and welcome into episode number 20. This is almost like a full season worth. If this was TV, we'd be in the third season. Nowadays. Yeah. It used to be 26 episodes. Now it's eight. You know, we'll go eight now. So we're in the, mid- we're in the middle of our third season. Uh, I am, as you know, Evan Grant, or maybe you don't. I'm Evan Grant, the Rangers beat writer from the Morning News, and this is upon further review, the Dallas Morning News Sports Day DFW's podcast. And as always, or most of the time, I'm joined by... I'm Barry Horn, who I've, I think I've been here more times than you, but thank you very much for including me. But we have an empty seat between us. Well, even when Kevin's here, we have an empty seat. Kevin Sherrington, not in today. He had a previous commitment. Is he with Susan Hawk? People don't know who Su- Susan Hawk. Tell us who Susan Hawk is. She's the Dallas District Attorney. She's the missing in action Dallas District Attorney. Yeah, I better make sure I just keep myself into my Denton County. I better not come into Dallas. And Denton and what goes on in Tarrant County, too. Let's talk about what goes on in Tarrant County. Rangers. Rangers. Rangers, Rangers, Rangers. And, Barry, let me give you a little education on pennant race baseball. Let me, should I get my pen out? Yes. Okay. The Rangers have an absolutely unique opportunity uh, starting tonight. And what might that be? Well, you know, they play Toronto for three games here t- tonight, Wednesday, and Thursday. Uh, meanwhile, in New York, the Yankees and Astros are continuing a three-game series that started last night with a Yankees walk-off win. Well, what's significant now is the Rangers trail the Astros by three and a half games in the American League West. They trail uh, for the top wildcard spot both Toronto and New York by four and a half games. Uh, because both those teams are tied for the AL West, for the AL East, and the and the Wild Card League. So if the Rangers win, if the Rangers can win these first two games, they are making up ground, guaranteed of making up ground on two teams ahead of them in playoff races. I won't ask you what happens if they don't win. If they don't win, you know it gets it gets a little bit more more dicey. But they have seized control of that second playoff spot and. It's hard for me right now to see a team that's better suited for this last 35 to 40 games than the Texas Rangers. And if you want me to go through that for you, I will. Please do. Well, I mean, let's start with how well this team is playing at home. They are 12-2 and over their last 14 games at home. They have scored a lot of runs early at home. And so they've put immediate pressure on opposing pitchers. The Rangers have 23 games left at home the rest of the way. That's the Astros, on the other hand. 15 games. This is as of Tuesday morning. As of Tuesday morning. Um, The Rangers have a bigger home field uh, schedule remaining than any of the teams ahead of them in playoff positions. So uh, it it has become an advantage for them. They've, They've learned, I think, my latest working theory on why they played so poorly at home in the first half is because they were home so infrequently. And by and large, they were fatigued when they got here. Uh, they have gotten more games at home now. They've learned how to play under in the heat. They've learned how to prepare themselves in the heat very well. And they have created a home field advantage. And now, now if you get into September and you get some people actually thinking this is a playoff team and you get some walk-up crowds in Arlington and you've got 30,000, 35,000, maybe even, who knows, the last 10 days of the season, you get 40,000 a night in there. That's also going to ramp things up another level. Well, home away, that's nice. But let's talk about something even more important. I think the pitching staff and the way the pitching staff, the starting pitching is shaping up nicely. 
you, you like you like the one through four now. I like the fr- I like I like the fact that they have fresh arms down the stretch. Okay, and 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 how about the bullpen? Well, the bullpen is uh, right now. You have to say that the bullpen has gone from being this team's biggest liability to an asset. Uh, I don't know how long the track records are for guys like Jake Diekman and Sam Dyson, uh, but they have transformed this bullpen to the point where in August now, since they got Dyson and Diekman, and they put Kella on that rest program, their, their ERA is 2-8 in August. Over the last 11 games when they're 9-2, and it's a one nine nine ERA out of the bullpen. That bullpen has allowed seven runs in those in those eleven games. Six of them have come when the team had at least a five run lead. I love it when you talk like that. Uh, so they have they have turned this into an asset. Um, and if you get six innings out of your starters now, you've got the ability to mix and match Deakman, Dyson, and Kella for seven and eight. And Sean Tollison deserves all the credit in the world because the guy is not what you would consider a textbook closer. He's not a guy who comes out there and throws ninety five plus. He throws 93-94, has a great changeup, uh, and really has turned himself into a very um, solid pitch maker. Could he be the most valuable player on this team? I, I think it's going to be hard to, to think that anybody has is, is, is been more valuable over the course of the full year than Prince because for, for a long time Prince was the, the entire offense. Um, but Tollison has been the most consistent pitcher from start to finish. Um, and he's also got some competition for that because Colby Lewis has been, oh my. you know, you, you gauge Colby as kind of a number four, number five starter, but here's the thing. He gives you innings and he gives you a chance to win every time. And if you go back and look when he's got to make pitches in big games in the past, like the postseason. He's done that. If I said to you at the start of the year, Lewis, Moreland, Tollison, they'll they'll be keys to your season. What would you have said back to me? Well, I would I would have agreed with both Moreland and Tollison. I thought Tollison was very possibly the most valuable pitcher in the bullpen going in because going into the season going in wow. because he had the ability to pitch the left-handers and they didn't have a lefty in the bullpen. They didn't have an established setup guy, and 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 Sean was coming off a very strong year. Moreland, you always felt like if he had the year that they expected uh, when they saw him in 2010 in the second half, he had that disciplined kind of year with some power, then this was going to be a guy who lengthened out the entire lineup. You saw Sean Tollison coming as the closer. No, I did, I, I, I did not see him coming as the closer, but I thought this was a guy who, who created the very important bridge to get to Neftali Feliz. And that Going into the season, he was likely going to be the first option if Feliz failed. And Kobe Lewis? Kobe Lewis, I, I I thought that what the Rangers could count on from Kobe Lewis was, you know, to go out there and give them six innings pretty much every time, uh, keep them in games. Um, what he has done is he's, he's he's eaten up even more innings than I expected. Has he turned into their you? Has he has he? Re- replaced you you can't you can't say that i mean you is you is a uh, a, a dominant pitcher what colby is is he's a pitch maker he's a guy who keeps you in games and he's a guy who conserves the bullpen uh he's he's been valuable but i think in a different way very valuable and what about the job the manager's done 
I listen, I mean, there's people who will disagree with certain things that the manager does, and there's certain times that I've, you know, disagreed on on decisions he's made. But I think overall, um, my philosophy in, in kind of evaluating and watching a manager is how consistent are you with, with the way you handle situations? How um uh when you explain a move that may be viewed as controversial or or that backfired what was your reasoning for that move? And do you have, you know, fact-based reason or, or are you just going with the, well, my gut or, you know, I felt that way. Uh, and, and I think this guy, this guy's really well prepared. I think he's, um, sometimes he may even overthink situations a little bit, but that's the mark still of a great manager. Let me ask you this. Let's go back two, manager, two managers ago to Ron Washington, who was two managers ago. Right. Everybody always said his. We're forgetting the Tim, you know, the Tim Bogart era was the three weeks in between. But but, but, yeah, but, yeah. but his his strength, Wash's strength, was always the clubhouse. He, he kept the clubhouse light. You're in the clubhouse a lot. Does that is it similar now? Is it, what's the difference in the? Is there a difference in the mood in the clubhouse? Is it the same? Is it better? Worse? I I think you know we see a very superficial look at the at the clubhouse most of the time. I think what Wash. What Wash was able to do inside that clubhouse was instill some um, confidence in some of the veteran players that he had in in the Michael Youngs and and to some extent Colby in 2010 and 11. Um, uh, he had a good relationship with Josh Hamilton um, and I think was able to, to help get the best out of Josh at that point in time. But... Uh, he, what goes on in the clubhouse, from my perspective, is all changed by whether they're winning or losing. If they're winning, everybody's happy. There's lots of music. There's lots of joking around. When you're losing, it tends to be more quiet. I think it's a good clubhouse. I think they've got good leadership uh, segmented into different areas. I think that, you know, among other things, I think Tollison has become a really good example for, for other guys in the bullpen may not have a long track record, may not be very outspoken, but but the way he does his job and goes about his work I think is a really good example for those relievers. On the on the starter side, Colby, uh, you know, Colby's numbers speak for themselves this year. His leadership this year also is going to be a big part of why I think the club will bring him back next year on a major league deal. Um, I, I think that, that they realize what he, he brings to this club. Is there anybody who thinks they won't? Well, he's a free agent after. Well, the year. I, I know, but they won't and make I, a, I, an effort to sign. I think that it, going into the year, that there were a lot of people who thought, "Well, this will be Colby's last year with the Rangers," and I think he's he's all but assured himself of getting at least you know what he got this past year, which was a career high in money in terms of six million. Is, is there a chance that he would go for more money elsewhere? It's always a chance. I, obviously, I, I think that as long as the Rangers make him again a fair offer, um, and maybe you know this is another guy who I think is willing to share some risk in terms of incentives for innings pitched and things like that uh i i think that colby wants to remain here and would like to finish out his career here when you go around the rest of the field you know i, I think prince has been a really good influence in the clubhouse this year um and, and so all those areas the rangers seem to have guys who are able to to kind of create some some cohesiveness and uh, there's got to be something said for team chemistry when a club can face the kinds of adversity that this team did early in the year and with the number of injuries that it suffered early in the year and still find a way to kind of paddle itself back to where it could be in position where if it made a run, it could be a contender. That's what's happened. 
And now I think that the guys who have some playoff experience, the Elvises, the Beltres, you know, you've added Napoli, you've added Hamels, uh, all those – Lewis, all those guys, that playoff experience and that stretch drive experience is now starting to, to show. Playoff experience is very important. But if you're playing in a one-game uh, do-or-die game, it's not quite it, – you know, it, it's, it's not. Can the Rangers win the division? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think, again, they've, they've got an op- a great opportunity this week to basically even things up with the Astros going into the last 30 games of the season. They've got seven games with the Astros remaining. Uh, they've owned the Astros in head-to-head competition this year. The Astros have been a very poor team on the road. I think last night I saw a tweet that they've lost 28 of their last 39 games on the road, and they've got more road games than home games left. Uh, I think one thing the Astros have going for them is that while I, I, I wonder how Keuchel and McHugh, with, with the number of innings that they've Pitchers. racked up, how they will pitch down the stretch. But, you know, you've added Fires. Uh, you've, ad- you've added um, McCullers over the course of the season and given him some rest at, at, at points in time. So I think that they have – they have some freshness to their rotation as well. I think it will be really interesting to see. Keuchel pitched exactly 200 innings last year, and he's on pace for 235 this year. That's going to be a real uh, task down the stretch. How about in the, in, in the larger framework? How, wouldn't it be great to have a Rangers-Astros rivalry, like a real rival, like Mavericks-Spurs? Sure. Uh, you know, Cowboys-Eagles. Wouldn't that be... A great thing to, to kick off to get the sparks flying this this season. Well, and and you know, I mean, you have if if it gets down to September and this this continues as a Rangers Astros race for the division, and the Angels the Angels continue to kind of fade or or, or just tread water there. Uh, that's how you create a rivalry. You don't create a rivalry just by silver, uh, silver ge- boot by geography and by celebrating that it's baseball in Texas. You create a rivalry by playing games that matter against one another, and and yeah, I mean, I think that this will be this would be a a real boost for for baseball in 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 Dallas Fort Worth. Be a boost for baseball in 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 Texas in general, and it it does have the makings. I mean, you look at the rivalries in the state. You look at A and M in Texas, and you look at they don't play anymore. By the way, I I, I know that, but you, you look at that rivalry. You look at um, Baylor and TCU. <laughs> Baylor and TCU is a developing rivalry because they play for games that matter now. Uh, the like you said, Mavs Spurs, Mavs Rockets. There is there there are some great rivalries because of the pride people take in in their in in their environment and their their geographic home. That's never been those. There has never been an opportunity for the Ranger for the two Texas baseball teams to create a rivalry because in the past they were in different leagues. When they did play, it was interleague play. Uh, and for the first two years that the Astros were in the American League, didn't matter. Didn't matter. So, yeah, everything is is set up for this to 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 really create a, a an intense rivalry going forward. Because also, I think that you have to recognize that the Astros have a lot of really good young players. Um, the Rangers farm system supposedly is is once again ready to develop lots of lots of contributors. And if that's the case, then if, if these two teams are fighting for the playoffs year after year with one another, it's going to get intense. But you can, you can, you know, I, I'm tired of the, of the farm system argument because 
The Rangers just traded a, a boatload of prospects, and they still have a boatload of prospects in, in the organization. We can make the argument that you know they have guys just as promising still here as the guy as the guys who, who've left. So I, I, I just don't, I just don't get that argument on, on we can't trade young up and coming prospects. They they made a great they made a good trade for Cole Hamels. It could it could turn is September turns into October. It could turn into a great trade for Cole Hamels and. Don't forget Deekman. Well, let's just say this. If the Rangers have a one-game playoff with anybody, with the exception of potentially facing David Price, and that was that was uh, Toronto's big, let's go out and, and, and get that kind of ace to front our rotation, I like the Rangers' matchup against the Yankees in a one-game playoff. Who, who, who would it be? I, I, I don't even know who the Yankees would run out there at this point in time. I like their matchup against Minnesota in a one-game playoff. I like their matchup against Baltimore in a one-game playoff because you have the ability to potentially run Cole Hamels out there uh, for that for that game, depending on how you set up your rotation, obviously. You might need him to pitch the last, last regular right. season game. But it, the possibility exists that Hamels would be there to, to pitch that game. That's what you get this guy for. You get him to win one big game – uh, whether it's in the in the World Series, the Division Series, or now the one-game playoff to get you into the Division Series. It's, it's great. I think it, is it time to go, Evan? Do we have to go? Uh, well, yeah, let's um, – Well, you have, more, you have more in your bag of tricks. No, no, no. What, let's, what do you want to bring up? Let's go wrap ahead. this up for, for today. Uh, I will leave it with this. We, we've talked about Sinchuchu a little bit, but I, I think it, it really bears uh, – I'd, I'd just like to touch on the conversation I had with him last week in which he talked about a conversation he had with his wife at the uh, All-Star I saw Ring. that in the Dallas Morning News uh, um, Tuesday morning. And, it, you know, this is a case where a player was very candid about talking about how he had w- kind of worn everybody's concerns on his own shoulders, how he had tried to live up to this contract. And people had told him, just go out and be yourself. Go out and be yourself. He was still tentative, um, thinking too much sat down with his wife at the All-Star break, and his wife said, you know what, you have a good foundation. Your foundation is like that of a very strong building, and it was built through eight years in the minor leagues, through eight years of working your way up in the big leagues. You have a good foundation. You are a good player. Trust that. Don't worry about what anybody's criticizing or what anybody expects you to do. And what we've seen is since Chu goes into the opener of the Toronto series, having reached 27 consecutive starts, with a 439 on base percentage in the second half, which is third in the American League. This he is, is the play, he is finally the player that they thought they were getting when they signed him. For the last six weeks, he has been the player the Rangers. Expected. And like everything else with the Rangers, everything is, com- is apparently coming together, has come together. It seems that way. I mean, you know, you get, you get shield, the Shields and Chewon ahead of Beltre, Fielder, and Moreland. And now that you've got Moreland producing runs as well, you've got a lengthened out lineup. If they get Josh Hamilton back for September in in a healthy manner and he can give you three weeks of vintage Josh, Josh Hamilton, watch out for this team. Thanks, Evan. Thanks for leaving us on a very positive note, for you, which for you is unusual. All right, Barry. Thank you very much, and uh, we will uh, – Well, I insulted you. I can tell. Your body language – That hurts me very Your deeply. body language is, is, is – you're, you're – curling up now now i'm looking forward to kevin actually rejoining us next week. i hope he does although babe was uh if we have a, a football uh, pod co- podcast as well as this and babe loffenberg was a pretty good replacement babe was he stepped in from the backup quarterback situation 
Kevin will be our backup catcher. Wally Pip Sherrington. See ya.